coming up on the Mindful Midlife Crisis. So the intention of today's episode is to answer the following questions. First of all, who am I today? And then we're also going to examine what exactly is a midlife crisis and is it a real thing? Welcome to the Mindful Midlife Crisis, a podcast for people navigating the complexities and possibilities of life's second half. Join your hosts, Billy and Brian, a couple of average dudes who will serve as your armchair life coaches as we share our life experiences, both the good and the bad, in an effort to help us all better understand how we can enjoy and make the most of the life we have left to live in a more meaningful way. Take a deep breath, embrace the present, and journey with us through the mindful midlife crisis. Welcome to the Mindful Midlife Crisis. My name is Billy Lar, and I am joined by my good friend, Brian Shelminiak. We call him Brian on the base. Brian, how are you doing today, man? I'm fantastic, sir. Getting better, though. Excellent. Excellent. It's wonderful to see you. Likewise, man. Yeah, this is. I look forward to this moment each and every single week. We should set it up a little bit. We should tell them exactly what we do. So Friday evenings are our tra- traditional podcast recording days. So Bill and I go through a full day of work on Friday and uh, just look forward to that end of day uh, blowing off steam for, for you guys, actually. Yeah, Whitney. You know, this idea came about, well, one, and the reason, you know, reason why I asked Brian, two reasons why I asked Brian. One, he has all the equipment. So thank you for that. That helps. That's usually why I get asked anything, including on dates. Oh, <laughs> <laughs> uh, well. I know I, we aren't even four <laughs> minutes in and I throw a dick joke out. I know. Oh, <laughs> uh, uh, Brian is laying cable everywhere he can. Oh, absolutely. Absolutely. The other reason why I asked him is because he's just a good guy. I mean, right off the bat, we're already laughing. We're already having a good time. And I feel like the one thing, do you know that we have known each other for 10 years? Isn't that amazing when you think, when you sit down and think about the people in your life and how long you've known them and it just goes by so fast. It does. I, I I was thinking about this and like, when did we meet? So the story behind how you and I got to know each other is Brian is in every band in the Twin Cities area in Minnesota. It's pretty close. Yeah. He, he, he plays bass in multiple bands. And if he's not playing bass, he's running sound for bands. He's doing lights. He's doing something for all of the bands in the Twin Cities area in Minnesota. So if you're wondering why we sound like this, it's because we're from Minnesota. But uh, years ago, 10 years ago, we were at this place in it's a, in a serums, in, right? Yeah, serums in Anoka. Mm-hmm. And Brian is in his band called Space Needle. And they, weirdly enough, are a Duran Duran tribute band. I don't know why they call themselves Space Needle, but no, they are actually a 90s tribute band. And so they play all music from that grunge era. So your Pearl Jams and your Sound Gardens and your Alice in Chains and your Nirvanas and all the great 90s hard rock songs that you love. And that's my era. I am a diehard Pearl Jam fan. I've seen Pearl Jam 49 times in nine different countries. So I really like that era. And when I had an opportunity to see their band, I was rocking out to Even Flow. And during the set break, Brian came up to me and he's like, dude, you really love this music, don't you? And I'm like, yeah. So we just kind of bonded over that. And and I went and saw his other bands. And then the guys that are in that band are in other bands, too. So my local music scene just grew exponentially. And it's really kind of made my life that much better. So Thank you very much, Brian, for giving me that gift of music. Well, you're welcome, Bill. And I, I, I get to tell you now from an outside perspective what I thought of you. So I, I'm on stage and I try to make a conscious effort when I'm on the stage of engaging with the audience. So I, you know, direct eye contact will, you know, they'll shout stuff, we'll shout back. And I saw you sitting back there singing every word of every song. And I'm like, that guy is a good time. I'm going to talk to him. <laughs> And you know what? I was not disappointed because you honestly, everybody knows you and just thinks you're a great guy, too. So that's 
you know, kudos well, to you, brother. That's awfully swell of you to say, and I, I, I really appreciate that. Our energy just vibes, and, oh, and we, no I, doubt. I think no we, doubt. I feel like we have a we have a great chemistry. I, there will be no cable laying here, though. We're no, no that, not that kind of chemistry. Not that kind of chemistry. But when I, I approached Brian and I said, dude, I've got this idea for a podcast and I'd like for us, we're, we're both in our 40s, different kind of experiences, though, in our 40s. And we'll talk about that a little bit later so you get to know why you should listen to us. But uh, I said, I think we should have like a podcast where we talk about how people navigate the complexities and possibilities of the of life's second half through a variety of learning experiences and he was like yeah that sounds great aren't you you have a psychology degree along with I do communications yeah, as well yeah so the perfect person the perfect partner here and i've i've been working in education for over 20 years so the two of us decided let's let's put this together. We've got some stories to tell. We've got some experiences to share. And ultimately, we hope what we talk about allows you to reflect on your life and say, "Oh, I've had some of those same experiences and and maybe if you're not dealing with them as well as we have, uh you could pick up a couple tips." Absolutely, and it's not even to say that we've handled our situations well over the course of time. We have definitely made a number of mistakes and I feel like We've developed strategies in our lives so that we can move forward from those mistakes. So we're starting in Medius Race. Any good story starts in Medius Race. Think about all the wonderful epics that you are familiar with. Take Star Wars. That is that is the quintessential epic story. It starts in middle excuse me, in episode four. It starts in Medius Race. And so I want you to imagine that Star Wars opening crawl. It's just legendary. And I want you to imagine that the words that are scrolling up through the screen are a 90-second summary of your life. What would it say? What would that crawl, what would that scroll say? So the intention of today's episode is to answer the following questions. First of all, who am I today? So Brian and I are going to going to answer the question who are we? And then we're also going to examine what exactly is a midlife crisis and is it a real thing? Those are the keys here to start off. So Brian, we we did a little exercise cuz as an educator I like to give some homework, right? I like I like uh to make sure that we're ready and prepared for things. So I asked you a simple question who are you? And I asked you to sort of list out all the roles that you play in your life. One, no more than two words in your responses. So, Brian, who are you? I'm a father, a husband, a son, a brother, a musician, an exercise enthusiast, a scientist, an engineer, an electrician, a president, a friend, and I'm fiercely independent. Excellent. Excellent. Thank you very much. I asked myself that question, who am I? I wrote down brother, son, educator, teacher, bachelor, paddleboarder, Pearl Jam fanatic, overthinker, baseball fan, bucket lister, spaz, music junkie, uncle, personal trainer, and meditator. And so the next thing that I asked you was I wanted you to choose three that you felt were the most important to you in terms of moving forward into the next decade of your life. And what did you say? I said being a father was the most important. Uh, I have three little kids and uh, under the age of 10 and uh, being a good role model to them and support system for them is is paramount of my existence currently. Here's a question. So you have... So remind me, how old are you? 47. 47. And you had your youngest three years ago, two years ago, three years ago? Four. He four just years. turned four on just October 23rd. Gotcha. Was that a freak out moment for you at age 42, 43 years old to find out that you guys were having a baby? Oh, yeah. That's a good story, too. <laughs> so I'm sitting at work and I had gone into the restroom. And uh, I got a text as I was going into the restroom 
you know, I'm on isn't, my phone and all of a sudden... Isn't your wife supposed to pee on the stick? Yes, but okay. the uh, text comes over my phone, and, and I was seated at the time this happened, very luckily, <laughs> and it just said, I'm effing pregnant, <laughs> is all it said. And I was like, what? So I find out it was like 10 o'clock in the morning on a just regular work day, and she texted me. I was like, oh my gosh, I can't... We, we had always talked about having other children but you know how it is it's not like all right that last one we're going to get it in right now it was completely accidental we were doing just fine with two and all of a sudden it just happened it uh, was quite a surprise to us both but i'm glad it did i wouldn't change anything at all he's a tiny dictator right now he's just off with your head and all that stuff i mean he's but i wouldn't change it he's wonderful that's a, I, I remember when when I when I found that out, I was like, "But Brian's kind of old." Dude. Yeah, it's true. I was, <laughs> I was. Are you kidding me? Having a toddler when you're 45 years old is taxing. I had to start working out. That's uh, one of the main reasons I started working out again is because I didn't have the energy to keep up with this kid. Ah, uh, then you think about. It happens for a reason. So you're, you know, you you're you're in great shape now. You look good. You're probably healthier. And here, it was that little that little accident led was to a this. Happy, yeah, it really was. I'm quite happy. Yeah, that's awesome. You also put down husband. Talk about husband. Well, yeah, of course. Being a good husband to my wife is very important because she is a wonderful wife to me. So we we have just a great relationship, and that's uh, a lot of reasons, but we're we're very open and honest with each other and it's uh it's really great you two really complement each other well that's true uh you, it, uh you when we talk about like ideal partners you and kathleen are are i just ideal partners you guys are no really, really amazing no I, I i really enjoy seeing your dynamic and with your when you're with the kids because your boy you have three boys and the stories that you tell all make me laugh because they just sound like like sharknadoes in your home and the two of you you parent with love and a smile but i know that you're frustrated but at the same time you you really just take it all in stride and it's really like just wild to watch how positive you guys are as you parent these three sharknadoes swirling in your home it is let me just give you an idea of how a typical day is. So this is how you know when you have three boys, there's constant noise. First off, if it's quiet, you got to ask questions because <laughs> something's going on. If it's quiet, that's how you know. And then the second thing is if it is loud and they're fighting and things get slammed and things get broken and you hear these noises, like I can be sitting in the basement and the kids are two floors above me and I'll hear slam and the entire house shakes but you don't react. You wait. Is anybody crying? Nope. Nobody's <laughs> crying. I'm good. So that's the key to parenting right there. You just can't, you don't want a helicopter parent. You know, there's a good balance there. So you don't run for every noise, but if there's crying, you usually got to go investigate. There's a tip for you for when you have children. <laughs> <laughs> that's, no, no, no. You notice that I don't have parent on there or like that's, that's, I have bachelor and I, <laughs> I very much am looking forward to maintaining that lifestyle. Maybe not necessarily a bachelor, but I would very much okay with never, ever having children. Well, so. you have a lot of children, though. I do. I do have a lot of children that I work with at a high school. I work at a very large high school, and they all keep me on my toes in many, many ways. Do so. you think that... That job, that line of work satisfies your your need for because everybody to a point probably has a need to to parent or guide or, you know, help. Do you think that fills the void for you? I like the mentor aspect of it. Without the diaper changing. Without the diaper changing. <laughs> that's why I work at a high school. That's great. And I like that I can say now go home, you know, and, and that's a what I've felt. I wish sometimes I could do that too, Bill. <laughs> and you might think that you know that I'm 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 selfish for fee- kinda. Yeah, I, I, no, I, I'm that's gonna, I'm good gonna for admit you. it. I'm gonna admit, you know, that that's maybe that's a little selfish of me, but that's just how I I feel. I'll tell you that I wanted to have kids, 
And then when I turned 35, I dated a woman who really changed the way that I saw life in terms of I had this cookie cutter image. I wanted to live in the suburbs. I wanted to have a house. I wanted to have the picket fence with the kids. That's how I wanted to live my life. And she was like, you know, that's not the only way you can, you can adult. And I was like, what? (laughs) And then I started examining what is it that I really enjoy doing? And am I willing to sacrifice these things that I want to do in order to be a parent? And I realized that maybe I don't. And parents tell me all the time that being a parent is the most rewarding thing in the world and more power to you. It's just not for me. It's kind of like kale. Yeah. It's it's not, that's, it's not for me. Some people like kale, others don't. Yeah. And so I, I, I'm not, I'm not going to eat kale chips and I'm not going to raise children. And that's your prerogative, man. (laughs) I don't, I don't think it's selfish at all. I think that's just being in touch with what you want to do with your life. It's after all, it is your life and you can do anything you want to do with it. I hope my sister and mother are listening to this podcast and those wonderful things that you just said right there to validate the way that I live my life. And you know what? I hope it's not just your mother and sister <laughs> listening to this podcast. Yeah, that's probably where it'll start. That's where it'll start. And hopefully it'll grow from there. Yes, yes. Uh, I, uh, so you also put musician down. And this is you and I bond over this because this is why I know you. And so tell us more what about why you put musician down for that question. Music for me is more than just a hobby. It's something I'm compelled to do no matter what. And whether I'm playing for 20,000 people or by myself, I derive the same enjoyment out of it. You know what I mean? To me, it really is about performing music to the best of your ability and making servicing the uh, the art you know what I mean that's fun to me just having a creative outlet and uh, learning to adapt and play with other musicians is a really interesting skill too and that that listening that constantly has to happen when you're uh, it, it really is a, a great exercise for your brain if you're doing it right because it's not only the physical playing in your part but fitting into everything that's going on around you is super important. So it's a very uh, a complex and different problem every time you approach it, you know, which to me is is really fun because I enjoy tackling things and doing and, and solving. And You enjoy playing on stage like just having. Oh, yeah. Just having been at so many of, of your shows and you play in a variety of bands, too. So I, I've. I've seen you with two of them. I've seen you with Space Needle, which is a 90s tribute, but then you played with a band called The Brute Squad who played, I call it classic rock and soul because it's not necessarily rock and roll. Like You guys play some really soulful songs. Our good friend oh, yeah. Matt has got that really true soulful sound in his voice, uh, but we will never tell him that. No, don't no, do that. We, we don't, just, do not do that. He does yeah. not need his ego to get no, any larger. Absolutely, absolutely not. Matt, uh, Matt we love you. And we hope it's you true. are listening. We do love you. you. But uh, So it's your mom, your sister, and Matt. And Matt so far. So that's not a bad start. <laughs> this that's, is good. Yeah, that's, yeah, a, that's good. not a bad start. We're, we're good to go. <laughs> for me, I, I talked about what kind of moving me, move forward for me in the next decade is being a paddleboarder. That is something that people connect to me because I, I, I live across one of the 10,000 lakes that are here in Minnesota, and I really, really enjoy my time on the water. I don't think that I could ever live too far away from water ever again in my life. Like whatever happens in the next X number of years I have left to live, it will be near water. Don't move to Indiana. There's a lake in Indiana. There's I, a, I always wanted to live in Colorado. But there's there's no water in Colorado. They're beautiful mountains. Mountains, gorgeous. Beautiful mountains. But I I just I would need to be near water because for me, paddleboarding is part of a, a passion of mine that someday I hope takes me to every continent and every ocean. What is it about paddleboarding? That's what is the the draw for you exactly? What need does it satisfy? That's a great question. Some people will say, oh, well, paddleboarding is a great 
exercise. And I'm like, well, then you're doing it wrong. I'm not out there to exercise. I am out there because I love feel of the sun on my skin. I love the sound of the water. There's something about being on top of the water, but still close to the water. If you live in Minnesota, you've been in a boat. But that's a different feeling than being on top of a paddleboard because you are you are just that much closer to the water. It's just a I don't know, it's it's as corny as it sounds, maybe it's it's kind of a spiritual thing. Um I just find it it's to not be corny a, at all. Yeah, I just find it to be a, a great way to to spend my time in the summer. And especially in Minnesota, when you only have three or four months out of the year where you can really truly enjoy that type of activity, I go all the time and I just found that it's that it really is fulfilling. It's a unique feeling is what I'm getting from you right now. So when you're standing out on that paddleboard, maybe it's that feeling that it gives you. That's the reason you do it. You know, that maybe it's freedom or or the connection to the the water and outdoors. That's cool. I'm drawn to Bidet Makaska, Lake Calhoun in in Minneapolis uptown. I've been drawn to it for years. That's I live over in that area. That's that's like my calling right there. And I feel so comfortable and so at home in that neighborhood. So I also put down uncle because I, because I don't have children, but I have, I have three nieces and a nephew and the, my, my youngest niece is going to graduate from high school this year. So they're all older and, the one thing that I told them, I told them probably about seven years ago, I said, I'm done buying you material objects for Christmas. You don't get any more, you don't get any more things. Oh, that's cool. You don't get any more things. You're going to get experiences. That's wonderful. Cause that's the same thing we're doing with our kids. We buy them stuff, but for the big gifts, it's trips. Example, Mason for his 10th birthday chose to go to Universal Studios He's going to remember that for the rest of his life. He's now traveled, experienced. I think that's way more valuable than here's a dump truck. <laughs> it's yeah, that's kind of what I was finding. So my I have two of my nieces, my two younger nieces live in Redmond, Washington. So I don't get to see them very often. And for a long time, you know, I would just get them gift certificates cuz I didn't know what to get them or I would buy them something from Amazon, but they would never spend the gift certificate money. So I would get them like a gift certificate for the following year. And they're like, Oh, I still have the one from last year. And I said, okay, you're done. You don't get anything. Instead, I'm going to take all the money that I would have given you for Christmas. And I'm going to put it towards your high school graduation gift. So whatever my, my niece and nephew who live in Minnesota, what they got, I'm doubling what my nieces in Washington are getting because they didn't get to have any of the experiences that my niece and nephew here got to have. My nephew particularly is very much into theater. And so we've gone to the Guthrie a few times for, we went and saw Romeo and Juliet and a Christmas Carol. I took them to the Nutcracker. And then we always go somewhere fancy for dinner because they love that. And having grown up in small town, Minnesota, we ate steak and potatoes every day growing up, and they did too, because that's just that's just what you do in rural Minnesota. And the hot dish, of course, absolutely, absolutely. And so when when they want when we, they come down here, we we go out for some adventurous food, or what what would be adventurous for West Central Minnesotans? <laughs> <laughs> so you know we're not we're not eating like. Urchin, sea urchin, or, or frog <laughs> legs, or anything like that. But you, you, sushi, we 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 will take them out for sushi, or we'll take them to Chino Latino Rest in Peace, which closed down unfortunately. But just places like that that are have a fun vibe, a cool experience. That's what I wanted them to have in their life. You know, that is such a better approach than material things, in my opinion, because. Rarely do people get more well-rounded by obtaining stuff. You know what I mean? 
Agreed. Agreed. And so I've actually been trying to be more minimalist in my own place. And, Me too. And I could like, as far as clothes, I went clothes shopping. I bought like, I bought three new jeans last year and four dress shirts and that was it. And that was the only thing that I bought outside of maybe new underwear. I needed to replace underwear because it'd been years since I had new underwear. I don't even want to comment on this. I'm the guy with like so like 42 pairs of jeans and i wear six of them <laughs> you know what i mean yeah i just i i'm, I'm like you know what it, I, I was reminded i think the reason why i started doing this is i read something about like steve jobs and mark zuckerberg they always wear the same thing because then it's one oh, less yeah. decision that they need to make and you can put that brain power towards something else yeah and and i very much suffer from paralysis by analysis so I just have my dress shirts lined up, and there's my Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday, Thursday, Friday shirt, and those here. I'm just going to pick these jeans that go with that shirt, and boom, it's one less decision that I need to make in the morning. Okay, I do that too. I, I'm a lay your clothes out before you get ready. So in the evening, I get home, I take out my workout clothes out of my bag, I put new workout clothes in my bag, I do uh, get all my work clothes prepared for the next day, and I go set them in the bathroom right where I need them so I can wake up walk into the shower, get that water flowing on me, and then wake up. I think part of that is self-care, right? Oh, yeah. It's, it's, yeah, yeah. it's self-care. And so that's why for the other one for me, I put down personal trader slash meditator because to me, I think the two of them work together because I value both physical and emotional health. Yes, we have to work out our muscles, but we have to work out our brain as well. And my hope is, is that somewhere down the line, I'm able to grow my skill set as a personal trainer and maybe even do some uh, mindfulness work with people so that I have a way of making some passive income so I never have to teach summer school again. But also, I'd like when I, when I retire, I would like to do something other than teach. At a high school. I'd like to do something other than work at a high school. I don't want to have to sub. I, I want to get into the physical and mental wellness as uh, as You want to be a guru. You know, someday. Yeah. Someday. Not a creeper like Bikram. Not no, like no, that. a good guru. Yeah. Yeah, 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 yeah. yeah. Not uh, not not in a creepy way, but not in a drink good way. the Kool Aid kind of guru. Right. But uh, right. I'm glad I followed this guru type. I'd be Please. okay if we were on an island. Okay. All right. You know, I'd, I'd be okay if we were on an island. It doesn't have to be just us. There can be other civilizations there. Just as long as you're not hunting people for sport on that island. Right. Maybe. Well, oh, that'd be kind of sweet, though. It'd be pretty fun, actually, now that I say. But anyway, well, that, we well, can figure well, that well, out later. We digress. Yeah, right. Uh, so, so we asked each other this other question, too, So just so that we could kind of get to know each other even a little bit deeper as we took a look at these roles that we fulfill in our life. I asked Brian, which one from my list do you want to learn more about? And you said. Bucket lister. Yeah. So as people will come, the more and more people listen, you will find out that I'm actually neurotic and meticulous and persistent in the way that I pursue goals. And I like to list things out. I, I like the fact that I work in education because bells tell me when to go and do something. And when I go on vacation, I actually list out the itinerary. I went to Europe for a month a couple years ago, and hour by hour, I knew what I was doing because I do not wait in lines. That does not happen. I do not wait in a line. I am prepared. I, I have things purchased in advance so that we can walk right up and do what we got to do because time is of the essence. So as a bucket lister, I have a list of places that I want to visit. I had I chalked off two big bucket list items in the past three years. One was I wanted to see every single Major League Baseball stadium, which I have done, except now they opened Globe Life in Arlington, Texas. So now I have a new list, right? Uh, unfortunately, I couldn't go to that due to COVID, but so it goes. It'll happen someday. Yeah. I mean, yeah. it'll happen someday. And it's it'll happen there. very, very soon because I don't like the fact that that stadium exists and I haven't been there. So I want to get back to it. I could see that. Oh, so let me touch on this bucket lister idea one second here. 
because now that I listen to how you execute your plans, it generated an interesting question. Do you think you derive more enjoyment from doing the actual thing or is your enjoyment coming more from the planning and thinking and advance of all this stuff? What an excellent question that nobody has ever asked me before. Man, that's it it is tough because I'm going through the same thing right now with my bus. (laughs) Because I'm having a really good time planning the stuff, and then when I'm actually doing it, I'm getting twice the enjoyment, you know? I... I think it's kind of 50-50. It has to be almost, right? Yeah, for for me, it definitely is. Like, I get such a kick out of the planning stage. I love it. I love... And actually, even like when I lesson plan, there is something exhilarating about finding and researching the material and then synthesizing it into what my lesson plan is going to be. I always equate teachers to rappers because teachers don't have anything original except what the words that are kind of coming out of their mouth, but they're taking presentations and they're taking information and they're sharing it. I mean, the the curriculum, they have it there and then they, they teach it just like rappers. A lot of times they're sampling stuff and then they're taking those samples and they're turning it into their lyrics and turning it into their music. So teachers and rappers are really one in the same. And so there is something very exhilarating about when a plan comes together, it's very a team when a plan comes together, (laughs) right? That's fun. But to, Stand in front of the Mona Lisa and actually look at her, not through a phone, but to make eye contact with the Mona Lisa because I've planned this out and did my best to avoid the really thick crowds because we got there right away in the morning and I just made a beeline to her. But then it was important for me not to just snap a picture and and leave. It was important for me to engage with her. And as, as weird as that may sound, to engage with a painting, yeah. She and I, I felt, had a moment as we're trying to figure out what that smile is on her face all about. So yes, that what a, that was a great question. My, the other bucket list item that I was able to chalk off is I've paddleboarded in all five Great Lakes. Mm-hmm. So that was, and now I want to paddleboard in all of the oceans, and I want to paddleboard off the coast of every continent. I paddleboarded off the coast of Florida, and so I've been in been in the Atlantic Ocean. But then I take a look at okay, like if I'm going to paddleboard in the Arctic Ocean, how am I getting to Antarctica? Hmm. That's kind of that's a fun journey. That's an insane journey. That it does sound like fun and, and in it's, a crazy kind of way. Yeah, and you have to you have to go, you have to like take a ferry from not a ferry but like a, a big ass boat from the tip of South Af- America, excuse me, South America, in order to get to Antarctica. And the thought of paddleboarding next to a glacier is so exhilarating to me. Wow. That uh, like so that's that's why I need a bucket list because if I didn't, I need to have something to look forward to, mm-hmm. and so that's why I like Fridays. I look forward to Fridays because we get to work together and we get to record this this podcast. I need to have something to look forward to. You know what? You touch on a really great larger point there. Whether your pursuits are large or small, setting small goals and large goals for yourself are important. And then exactly having something to look forward to improves your disposition on on its face. Having something I, I know because I feel that way about shows, about about the podcast, about now the bus. You know what I mean? And when you have stuff like that, it really does enrich your life and almost it, it gives you purpose in little ways, not, you know, you have your large purpose, which is husband, father, all the stuff you were talking about. But then having these pursuits, which you're setting small goals and large goals. Also, it, it does improve your disposition, I believe. And when it's interesting when we take if we go back and look at this list, right? Those large roles that we talked about, those are like the first three things that we 
that we identified, like brother, son, educator, father, husband, son. Those are our, our larger roles. But then we kind of get down to like music junkie, personal trainer, meditator, uh, electrician, president, engineer. Those are some of the the, the fulfilling, you know what I yeah, mean? Like, yeah. like that's obviously, yes, being a brother, being a husband, those are roles are fulfilling. But when we talk about like what sets us apart and what makes us who we are, it's those roles that we get to down at the bottom. So one of these roles that you have listed is scientist and this, I did not know this about you. And then we talked before we started recording, we started talking about this and then you were saying some things that made my head explode. So tell me about being a scientist. I've always throughout my life had this nagging feeling that there has to be some, you know, what is life? The big question. Okay. What is life and how do I find out what that is? I just want to study science and find out what the leading minds in science believe that all of this is. So I've, I've studied a lot of quantum mechanics, a lot of different theories in quantum mechanics, theoretical physics, astrophysics, stuff like that. Uh, the, the, you know, the history of the universe, whether the universe is, uh, you know, what happened before the Big Bang, all that kind of stuff. And there are some really really fascinating things that happen that scientists know for certain. For example, I'll throw one small example out that, well, it won't make your head explode, but it, it, it's tantalizing for sure. The uh, There was an experiment called the COBE experiment. It was the uh, a survey of the cosmic background radiation in the universe, everywhere, the entire thing. The scientists got together and said, let's put up some satellites and let's map the entire background radiation of the universe, because it should give us clues to the Big Bang. Well, one of the things they found when they did this, that the, there are these immense cold spots in the universe. And one of the uh, probable explanations for these cold spots is that our universe, at some point in the history of the universe, collided with another universe. And it's very probable that that's what happened. They say this evidence of these giant vacuous holes in the cosmic background micro cosmic microwave background radiation could very well be that during at some point when it was being generated and expanding and uh, going through inflation, possibly there's a period of the history of the universe called infl the inflationary period collided with another universe. And that's what yielded these holes, these cold spots in the universe. <laughs> <laughs> that. That is holy shit. That uh, that I I'm speechless because your grasp of that is is one so profound and you speak about it so articulately that I'm I'm lost for words. I, I how how does one like get this into it? So you just start reading. I mean, that's all you can do. There are some really good introductory books that you can get into the theories without getting into the math. I've gotten into the math. I have to learn a lot yet. There's a lot I don't know, but I'm adequate when it comes to some of the equations. I, I understand them, but I, I need a much better grasp of calculus than I have, which is another undertaking that's on my bucket list. I'm like, all right, I should probably really get, you know, there's a, a few other types of, of math that I need to learn. Another thing which I've been tossing around, I think math as we know it is wrong, and I have another theory to reinvent it, actually. <laughs> yeah, it's... Oh, you know what's great is my bucket list is I'm, gonna, I'm trying to paddleboard all the oceans, and you're over here reading quantum fix, physics and, and reinventing math. Yeah, I just, it's what, <laughs> it's one of the things that's on my list, man. It's just, but the scientist portion about it, it's really just... Because I want to understand more about where I am. That's it. If you're out there listening, I hope you don't feel as inadequate as I do right now. Because <laughs> that, uh, that is some next level shit right there. If you wanted to get started on some quant easy quantum mechanics, uh, look up the Heisenberg Uncertainty Principle. It's pretty easy to understand without the math, and it'll blow your mind. You'll be like, how is this possible? And if you want something easier, take one minute to write down all of the roles that you play in your life and the three that are the most important to you moving forward in the next decade of your life. And we're going to take a little break to further discuss quantum physics 
and we'll be right back. This has been the Mindful Midlife Crisis with Brian and Billy. Thank you for listening to the Mindful Midlife Crisis. If you're enjoying what you've heard so far, please do us a favor and hit the subscribe button. Also, giving our show a quick five-star review with a few kind words helps us on our quest to reach the top of the podcast charts. Finally, since you can't make a mixtape for your friends and loved ones like you used to do, share this podcast with them instead. We hope our experiences resonate with others and inspire people to live their best lives. Thanks again. And now, let's take a minute to be present with our breath. If you're listening somewhere safe and quiet, close your eyes and slowly inhale for four, three, two, one. Hold for seven, six, five, four, three, two, one. Slowly exhale for eight, seven, six, five, four, three, two, one. Let's do that one more time. Inhale for four, three, two, one. Hold for seven, six, five, four, three, two, one. Slowly exhale for eight, seven, six, five, four, three, two, one. Go ahead and open your eyes. You feel better? We certainly hope so. And now, back to the show. All right, welcome back to the Mindful Midlife Crisis. Let's talk about what a midlife crisis is and what maybe some of the research says. Hey, Bill. Yeah. What's a midlife crisis? Thank you for asking. Yeah. Brian and I did a little bit of research and read a few articles. We, yeah, we looked at Wikipedia. Fuck you. All right. There's, there's, uh, that we're just, we're just gathering some easy information. We are not experts in any way, shape, or form. Uh, not at all. We are just we're we're just kind of two average bros having this conversation, guys who are in our forties, and we're we're at that stage right now where people go through what's deemed a midlife crisis. So let's talk about it a little bit. It's actually a term that was coined by Elliot James in 1965. This is all from Wikipedia, so you, you, I'm just sharing this information. So here's here's kind of a definition for you. Uh, a clinical definition, if you will. A midlife crisis is a psychological crisis brought about by events that highlight a person's growing age, inevitable mortality, and possible lack of accomplishments in life. And it could be caused by changes or problems or regrets over work or your career or your lack thereof. Generally, that affects men more than women because stereotypically men are seen as the breadwinners. And so their their masculinity is often challenged if they do not have if they are not in a career or are not moving forward in their work. One thing that you're going to see a lot of as we talk about midlife crises is, is toxic masculinity. That's going to be a theme that that pops up over and over and over again uh, as we talk about this more and more. Relationships or lack thereof can cause a midlife crisis. The maturation of your children or the lack thereof. Becoming empty nesters or even having that sandwich between caring for your children and then having to care for your parents as they get older and their time is running out. Physical changes associated with aging. Brian, how'd you feel when you got up this morning? Were you a little little creaky? Always. Yeah, man. Sometimes it's just a little bit harder to oil the old joints and get out of bed like it was back in the day. It's the healing that I usually notice. Your body just doesn't heal as fast as you'd like it to. When you when you get cut, when you're a kid, that cut lasts for a day and a half and you're good as new. When you're an adult and you get a cut like that, it's like a week and a half. And then finally, just coming to grips with one's own mortality, which I'll tell you that I have, I very much still have freak out moments when I think about a world in which I do not exist. I struggle with FOMO, fear of missing out. And so when I think about a world in which I do not exist, that freaks me out. And 
I have panic attacks when I think about that. So I, I absolutely can can relate to that. So when people are having their midlife crisis, they might feel a wide array of, of emotions. So they might feel a deep sense of remorse for goals that have not been accomplished, or maybe they, they feel remorse or they feel guilt about missed opportunities. There's a fear of humiliation among more successful peers. We compare ourselves to others and, you know, the grass is always greener on the other side. So then we say, gosh, I'm not as successful as Brian. And, and then I start to have this self doubt and what the, you know, what have I done with my life? Longing to achieve a feeling of youthfulness. I think about this when I look back, especially on my own dad. He will talk about how in his youth, like that he felt like maybe he didn't get to do the things that he wanted to do. And so when I would see him when he was 40, 50 years old, he was kind of in a, in a frat boy mindset. My dad is Rodney Dangerfield in every movie. So you think about the movie Back to School, that is my dad. That is my dad right there. He loves being around young women. He loves being this, uh, the center of attention, the life of the party. He's quick with a joke. He'll tell you, you know, oh, maybe you could help me straighten out my Longfellow later. That's my dad <laughs> to a T. Yep. A need to spend more time alone or with only certain peers. I feel this way now. I have become far more introverted as I've gotten older. Maybe it's not that I've become introverted, but my list of people I want to hang out with is based more on quality than quantity. Oh, well, that happens to everybody, I think, as you age. I mean, that's darn near universal, I would say. I was absolutely, in my 20s, that person that would send the text out, the mass text out to 30 or 40 people and say, what are you, what are you doing tonight? Now, like, after we're done, we're, it's Friday night, and it's 5.44 in the p.m., and when we're done with this, I got two episodes of The Mandalorian that I'm going to watch by myself. Yes. Um, Very nice. So, yeah. I get my quality time with Brian on Friday nights, and then I'm just going to call it a night. Finally here, you may feel discontent or confusion or resentment or anger around your marital, work, health, or socioeconomic status. And you may have ambition to right the missteps you feel that you took earlier in your life. That is something that I struggle with greatly. And and, and that alone is its own episode that that we will we will touch on. But for me, as I reflect on being hyper aware now of being a, a straight white American male and the privileges that come along with that, what are some of the missteps that I took earlier in my life? And I beat myself up for those kind of things, and I, I'm wanting to do the right thing. Like I said, that's a that's an episode all in of itself, but it also just kind of show you how my brain works. So two people named Blanche Flower and Oswald, they did a little bit of research on midlife crises, and they found that men between the ages of 40 and 55 report feeling less satisfied than those between the ages of 30 and 39 and 57 and older. So there is a happiness curve. They reported feeling less happy between the ages of 40 and 55. But here's what's interesting about that, according to Freund and Ritter, who also have Ritter, excuse me, Freund and Ritter, who have also studied midlife crises. Their studies indicated that older adults between the ages of 64 and 85 reported that middle adulthood was their preferred phase in life. It kind of just goes to show that when they look back on their life, they're like, no, I, I think right at my 40s and 50s was when I was the most satisfied and content with my life. Well, it's interesting, though. Perspective definitely has a lot to do with all of that. You know what I mean? When you're involved and fully embroiled in what you're going through, it's very difficult to see it for what it really is. You know what I mean? So that's why I think you're seeing that type of thing happen. Obviously, when you're in your 40s, you're like, ah, this is 
turmoil. This is crazy. But you get a little older and you're like, you know, that wasn't so bad. I got through it. They do talk about how you know, it's, it's difficult to see the forest through the trees and that we're not really going through a midlife crisis, that it's not a crisis that happens to everybody once they hit 40s and 50s. You're just going through a crisis like you would when you were 15 and you had pimples or when you were going through 20 and you were in college or when you were 28 or when you were 35, you're always going through a crisis. It's expected that you would have a crisis when you are in your your 40s and 50s as well. So that's that's kind of part of it that I've been looking at as well. Oftentimes, a, a midlife crisis is seen as a disconnect between the goals set in early 20s and the reality of things as they currently are once we hit our 40s and 50s. Now, I'll tell you that, as I mentioned before, the things that I wanted in my 20s you know, a family and, and the house in the suburbs, those are things that I don't want anymore. So I feel like my goals have shifted based on how my values and belief system has shifted over time as well. And I think that's a very positive development, honestly. Right. If you're able to reassess at any time and set new goals, that's healthy. Yeah, and in this uh, this article from Joshua Krish, it's called You're Not Having a Midlife Crisis, But Here's the Science Anyway, Freund says that one thing that might trigger a midlife crisis is that you realize that more and more doors have closed. And it's just a matter of, are we okay with that? How how okay are we with the doors that have closed, with the opportunities that are passed? Are we living in regret? I think regret gets a bad reputation. I think it's okay to feel regret. It's not okay to linger and fester on regret it's okay listen i have regrets there are things that i absolutely wish that i would have done or that i wish i wouldn't have done that's how you learn people don't learn things if they're comfortable i mean if you don't take those lessons to heart you're gonna be you're gonna stagnate and probably continue to be unhappy i think you know you're right it's okay to feel those things but it's not okay to feel them continuously that's when you'd say okay maybe this is not normal do I regret not getting Melody's number at the Dead Walleye show at the Halloween show in Austin, Minnesota years and years and years ago? Apparently you do. Absolutely I do. Absolutely I do. But I've moved on and you know I, I don't let that uh, I don't let that thought linger as long as I used to. Call me. Maybe she'll hear this. That'd be great. Bill. So that'd be our fourth listener. <laughs> We've got four <laughs> listeners. Yes. We just increased our audience by twenty five percent. We're we're this is we're growing here. We're growing. <laughs> but here's maybe we should we should probably also get your wife in on it as well. That would help. There's another one. Yep. There we go. So so we're good so far. We got five. I feel like every ten minutes we pick up a new. Uh, imaginary listener you know if we could just keep doing that we'll have a lot of imaginary listeners you're, eventually this i feel like you know they talk about the rogan effect like when yeah. your, your followers just boost yeah i feel like that's what's happening here it is there's got to be some science behind how popular we are now in and, our own minds <laughs> and you know who else is in his 40s or 50s who? joe rogan you're right so listen i feel like we're already almost on par with the joe rogan podcast Maybe we could have him on one day. That would be that. And then he would get the Brian and Billy effect. He would, he would <laughs> which I don't know if he I wants. Know. Right now. <laughs> so this is actually a wonderful transition to expectations versus reality right here. <laughs> we, we knew that. Of course. We're professionals. Absolutely. Here. Absolutely. So Freud and Ritter, Ritter again, uh, they talked about there are middle-aged people who sit down for the first time and think back to their goals at age 18 and they say, shoot, I didn't achieve that. And like, you know, as we talked about with, with regret, not lingering on those things. And instead we combat the midlife crisis through goal setting. And what we need to do is first of all, take stock in our accomplishments and in a way, we had you do that before the break by asking you to list out your roles. Those are all accomplishments. Those are all things that, 
that you've done in your life. And you should be proud of those things that you've done. And then if there are things that you have not done yet, then you add them to your goals. Regularly updating your goals throughout your life, fine-tuning them as your age is what Freud uh, recommends. And so Brian has a little homework assignment for you. Just set a couple of goals. Set a goal for this week. I do this constantly. I do it when I'm working or in my personal life. I'll sit down. Typically for me, it's on Friday. Let's say work, for example. And I'll jot down everything I need to do. My list of stuff I need to accomplish. And then I'll start another list that is things I want to accomplish. You guys should do that this week. Just try it for a week. Lay out on Friday what you plan to do on Monday through Friday of the following week. And then also maybe set a long-term goal. Set a goal that says, okay, a year from now, I am going to work towards being this person. Or even I'm going to go to this place. Like, Bill, uh, with your traveling. Exactly. Set something that that takes a little planning. Because it is you can get equal enjoyment out of doing activities and planning the things that go into those activities as well. With that, I think we'll, uh, we'll take a little break and we'll be back shortly. Thanks for listening to the mindful midlife crisis. We will do our best to put out new content every Wednesday to help get you over the midweek hump. If you'd like to contact us, or if you have suggestions about what you'd like us to discuss, Feel free to email us at mindfulmidlifecrisis at gmail.com or follow us on Instagram at mindful underscore midlife underscore crisis. Check out the show notes for links to the articles and resources we reference throughout the show. Oh, and don't forget to show yourself some love every now and then too. And now, back to the show. All right, welcome back to the Mindful Midlife Crisis Brian, I'm going to ask you some questions. All right. Here, right? All right. I'm so, ready. I'm preparing right. myself for questions. Buckle, buckle and I'm ready. All right. On a scale of one to six, where six means you completely agree, five means you mostly agree, four means you somewhat agree, three means you somewhat disagree, two means you mostly disagree, and one means you completely disagree, rate how... You would answer these questions. Number one, I feel a deep sense of remorse for goals that have not been accomplished. Two. I feel a fear of humiliation among more successful peers. One. I feel longing to achieve a feeling of youthfulness. Uh, Four, maybe. I feel a need to spend more time alone or with only certain peers. I'd say five. I mostly agree with that. Okay. I feel a heightened sense of my sexuality or lack thereof it. Nah, two. I feel discontent, confusion, resentment, or anger around my marital, work, health, or socioeconomic status. Mm, Two. I feel ambition to right the missteps I feel I have taken earlier in my life. Also two. All right. You mostly disagree with a lot of these uh, emotions that people experience while going through a midlife crisis. Very interesting. Here you go. On a scale of one to six, where six means completely satisfied, five means mostly satisfied, four is somewhat satisfied, three is somewhat dissatisfied, two is mostly dissatisfied, and one is completely satisfied, dissatisfied, excuse me. Brian, on a scale of one to six, How satisfied are you in your life? I'd say a five. All right. Excellent. Two more. Pretty much the same scoring. One through six. Satisfied to dissatisfied. On a scale of one to six, how much more or less satisfied are you with your current life than your life back in your 20s? Again, five, I think. Yeah. And then how about back in your 30s? I'd also say a five. I just keep getting, my wife and I were just talking about this and um, she also uh, started working out and she dropped about 65 pounds. She looks amazing. She has all this energy and we were looking at each other and we're like, you know, we look better now than we did when we met. 
and and are frankly a lot healthier in every aspect of our relationship. So, it, I mean, for me, we're kind of hitting our stride right now, to tell you the truth. And so I'm glad that you bring that up because your responses would beg the question, is the midlife crisis really a thing for some probably yeah and 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 oh, i love this so i was watching one of my favorite youtube shows is hot ones you ever watch hot ones never Which, this sounds intriguing though okay so here's what it is there's a guy named sean evans he asks the greatest questions of all time and what he does is he has a, a, like a celebrity or sometimes it's kind of like a, a b or a c lister okay right? but he's yeah. got his a listers on there too and there are 10 wings and each wing increases in Scoville spiciness so that when you get to the sixth or seventh wing, we're talking like 200,000, you know, Scofields or whatever. So wait a minute, the hot ones, I'm I'm getting the feeling that this contains no bikinis. No, no. Uh, I'm trying to think. I'm trying to. Well, okay. Well, the wings, we're back to your Scoville units. So, but he asks these really in depth People are like, how do you know that? Why do, like, how did his research team must be amazing? Hmm. So anyway, and he asks harder and harder questions and, and you eat these wings and it just deconstructs your answer because you can't think about your answer. You're just being honest as you're trying to get the answer out in pain. It's really, really a a great show. Wow. And and one of of our heroes is Henry Rollins. Oh, yeah, of course. We went together to see Henry. So that was was a big thrill for us to go see Henry do one of his spoken word tours. Quite amazing. If you've never seen Henry Rollins do his spoken words, or, or even just in the case Billy and I saw him, he was telling just stories about his life and where he's been. And this guy has been everywhere. He was telling one story where he wound up freezing on a train in Siberia and how he got there is just so amazing, but I'm not going to spoil it. You'll have to go see Henry's act, but he is just amazing and how he relates to people in the world around him. It's so fascinating. The reason why I started watching hot ones is because Henry was a guest on there. Oh, there you go. And so, so that would be, there's your good introduction for it. If yeah. you, if you want it, he's a, he's a badass. but a, another person that was on there more recently is Matthew McConaughey. Oh yeah. And, and I, I used to just think Matthew McConaughey was kind of like just a bro. You know, just a you know, just all right, all right, all right. Like I, that's that's I just and he actually has some depth to him. Oh He's, damn, yeah, he, he does. He, and so uh, he has kind of been on, I guess, this journey uh, where he he'll go into just these remote places and he'll journal. And and I really applaud him for that because to me that shows that he is someone who is wanting to be introspective mm-hmm. and he had a he there's a great quote from that from that hop ones episode where he says i've had thousands of crises in my life and most of them never happened so that i think begs the question again is the midlife crisis really a thing or are we just going through a crisis in this moment that could have happened at any point in time in our in our life. It's just happening now because of the circumstances. Now, Blanche Flower and Oswald in this Krish article that I mentioned earlier, the Krish article is called "You're Not Having a Midlife Crisis, But Here's the Science Anyway." They say, "Yeah, the, the, you know, the the midlife crisis is a real thing because in their study, 1.3 million people from 51 countries reported feeling less satisfied." with their lives around the ages of 40 to 55. And we mentioned that before. In in the article by Lauren Vinipal called The Good News and Bad News is that your midlife crisis isn't real. The counterpoint to that is that the curve is U-shaped. So we get happier as we get older. And, and we've mentioned uh, Freund and Ritter artic- or, uh, research done. So in, in the Krish article again, Really, what what she's saying is there's no empirical evidence of a normative midlife crisis, meaning that it's not it's not a fixed age where we will experience a crisis, right? And then uh, another researcher by the name of of Margie Latchman, who is 
is also mentioned in this Krish article. She's out of, is it Brandy's University? Yeah. Okay. Brandeis. Uh, yeah. Brandeis. Brandeis University. Only 26% of the research participants in this, midli- or excuse me, in this midlife crisis research that they did, only 26% of those participants over the age of 40 reported having a midlife crisis. And in fact, most of them said that it was more about what was going on around them than it was about being middle-aged. All right. In another study that was cited in this Vinipol article, it was a 10-year study from the MacArthur Foundation, fewer than 10% of people actually experience a midlife crisis. Now, Susan Whitburn, who's also mentioned in this Krish article, she's a professor out of the University of Massachusetts Amherst. She gives a definitive, there is no such thing as a midlife crisis. Quote, Scientific research shows that most of us go through our middle years without so much as a blip on our psychological radar screens. Research data fail to reveal that there's something about the midlife years that leads people inevitably to emotional turmoil. Then my question is this. Why the fuck do so many men between the ages of 45 and 65 commit suicide that's what we're going to attempt to answer on the next episode of the mindful midlife crisis thank you Thank you for taking the time to listen to the Mindful Midlife Crisis podcast. We hope you enjoyed this week's episode. If this episode resonates with you, please share it with your family and friends. We will do our best to put out new content every Wednesday to get you over the midweek hump. If you want episodes to be downloaded automatically to your phone each week, all you need to do is hit the check mark, subscribe, like, or follow button, depending on what podcast format you're using. While you're at it, feel free to leave our show a quick five-star review with a few kind words so more people like you can easily find our show. If you're really enjoying the show and you want to help us out, feel free to make a donation to www.buymeacoffee.com backslash mmcpodcast. That's www.buymeacoffee.com backslash mmcpodcast. You can also access the link in our show notes. We use the money from these donations to pay whatever expenses we incur from producing the show. But ultimately, we record this show for you. So if you keep listening, we'll keep recording and releasing new episodes each week regardless. If you'd like to contact us or if you have suggestions about what you'd like us to discuss on future episodes, feel free to email us at mindfulmidlifecrisis at gmail.com or follow us on Instagram at mindful underscore midlife underscore crisis. Be sure to check out the show notes for links to the articles and resources we reference throughout the show. Thanks again for listening. May you feel happy, healthy, and loved. Enjoy the show.